You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Carla, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to get to share and and chat with you for a little bit. Looking forward to it. I would love to hear about your backstory, including your salvation experience, and then what happened four months after you gave your life to the Lord and starting a business and all the very interesting things that have occurred since then. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do have kind of a, a wild salvation story. I... I was living in New York for about a year after I graduated from college and man, I loved going clubbing and I was partying with multi, multi millionaires. One guy said he was a billionaire, but you know, sometimes I think people can exaggerate, but (laughs) you know, that was my life. I was really living kind of the, the movie star type or the movie type version of party life, you know, with really high end clubs and surrounded by celebrities and arriving to clubs in Bentleys and things like that. So it was definitely kind of the quintessential party nightlife scene that I was a part of and never paid for anything. I remember one time, one of the guys I was with paid $18,000 for one night. And I just thought, like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like, this is so out of my league. How did I get here? That was dinner? This was like a table at a club. Mm. So you pay for bottle service. And I mean, that was normal. I I remember another guy paid $1,000 just to get me in the door. Like, we didn't even stay that long, maybe an hour or so. Another guy rented out an entire floor of a steakhouse. You know, just stuff like that, where it's just like, what is happening, you know? Mm Mm-hmm people with so much money, they don't even know what to do with themselves. So that was my life for about a year. I was in a bar on my birthday and I had what I call nighttime friends, which those those are the kind of friends that don't really, they're not really in your life. They only sort of call when it's after midnight and it's time to go out, right? I had invited a bunch of friends to my birthday party and none of them came. That was really sad. I had one person who came to join me at sort of my like outing for my birthday. And she went home a little bit early. So I actually stayed at this bar by myself on my birthday. Mm. And I was talking to a guy and I, I'm sure I was hoping he would take me home. And I hear this voice and this voice says, this is not your life. And the moment that I heard that it was so clear that it was truth. Everything in me knew it was true. Like, this is not my life. Like, what am I doing? I got to go figure out what my life is. Like, this is not, this is not what I imagined I would be doing and spending my life and spending, you know, my time and my birthday. And it was just like one of those reality check moments. So I immediately put my drink down and I walked out of the bar and I got in a cab and there was actually a man and a woman in the front seat of the cab, which is super strange. If you've ever taken a cab in New York City, that's not a normal occurrence. So I get in the back seat and I'm I'm definitely drunk at this point. So I'm a little confused. The funny thing is they were looking at me like, 
why are you in our car? And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? And so I find out that they were actually off duty, which means they weren't picking up passengers. So I had just drunkenly stumbled into their cab. Turns out that it was a husband and a wife and he was picking her up from work. And I had just jumped in the back of the car with them. You know, sometimes off duty cabs will actually take you home as like an extra fare. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm headed to East Village. Can you take me? And they said, sure. Before we even pull away, I overheard the wife saying something to her husband, something like, doesn't God know it? And the sentence didn't make sense to me because I didn't catch the whole thing. But when I heard her say the word God, I knew instantly that that's what that voice was, that that's who I had just heard. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time what I had heard. I just knew it was true. I stuck my head through the little cab window and I just said, do you believe in God? And... They shared the gospel with me. I immediately started repenting. They didn't even tell me to do that. It was just so, it was a supernatural thing where I just began to unload on them all of this stuff I was carrying, like drinking all the time and partying. And they're just super gentle to me. And they give me a bunch of scripture to read. And so they actually sat with me for about 45 minutes. They wouldn't let me pay for the cab ride home. And they sat outside my apartment and just ministered to me as I wept in the back, the Holy Spirit just doing a work on me. You know, I got out of that car, really a new person. I really knew that something had changed. Something was different. And I was ready to sign up for this God thing. A month later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was really a change. I mean, that was day and night for me realizing that, oh my gosh, the presence of God is real. You know, the power of God is real. All of this stuff that I thought was sort of fictional growing up, even, you know, I grew up going to a a really conservative type of church. Maybe once every couple weeks, we would kind of show up late and leave early kind of thing. Help me understand, Carla, the before and after difference that you experienced when you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I would say the before and after difference was You know, I had about four weeks in between that night and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I had this date and I sort of didn't know what to do with myself because my life was changing so radically. So I did drink one more time, but afterwards I didn't like it. But then when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had zero interest in drinking, not even a taste for it. It was like something came with that baptism that was a power to do what was good, a desire to do what was good, kind of all the time, to the point of being almost confused by my own life. I mean, I remember being two months saved, and I was just walking down the street, and I had this thought, wow, I haven't cursed in a long time. What is that? This was all so new to me. I didn't realize when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, part of that is man, you, you literally get his holiness in you in, in the way that it manifests itself through you. I was just experiencing his presence in a radical way after his spirit came and filled me. I was started to see people get healed when I would pray for them. That was a, a month or two later after the initial, you know, being baptized in the spirit. You know, I started praying in tongues, which was amazing. It was just, I could feel this electricity of heaven flowing through my body. And I also, man, I felt this radical love for people that I had never experienced before. In that in-between month, I had a lot of just like questions for the Lord, which I think is normal no matter 
you know, whether you get filled with the spirit right away or not. But Mm -hmm. one of the things I found in that month is, you know, scripture that talks about being washed with the waves like of doubt. Yeah. In James, it says he who doubts is like the surf of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Yeah. You know, that scripture was kind of what, what I was in before I got filled with the spirit, because it was almost like I was just going back and forth between questions and like wanting, needing God to answer all these questions before I could really be clear on what, you know, what this thing was about. But the moment I got filled with the spirit, all those questions got answered in one moment. I don't even know how to describe it other than to say Something about that experience of his raw power coming and filling my spirit changed everything. I mean, I had no more doubt. I had no more questions. I had no more wishy-washy experience. It was just like, this is my life. I mean, truly, that was the only thing I could think was like, this is it. You know, I was born for this. So did somebody pray for you, Carla? Yeah. I found a church down the street from me. The pastor called me. I was actually sitting in the second row. I, I was like so hungry for God. I would sit in the second row at church every time. I had met with him after I first got saved. And he asked me, you know, have you been filled with the spirit? And I said, I don't know what that is. I was baptized in a, another church when I was really young, but I don't know what that means. He says, I'm going to give you a little book. I want you to read it and then pray for you. So he gave me a little Kenneth Hagin book that says the Bible way to be filled with the spirit. And as I was reading that book during service, actually, I'm just feeling the presence of God that I've never really felt before. I mean, even when I got saved in that month in between, it was not a tangible physical experience. It was more of a mental experience for me and a heart experience, I would say. I mean, I definitely had a a transition in my heart in the cab that night. As I'm reading this book and I'm learning and understanding what to be filled with the Holy Spirit is I'm experiencing this like excitement in my spirit that I've never had before. And my pastor was standing in front of me and he's, you know, he says, stand up. And so I stood up and we're in worship still. And he lays hands on me and I felt like bolts of lightning just go through my entire body. I've never felt anything. I mean, I've felt it since, but I had never felt anything like that in my whole life. I can hear myself praying in tongues. And by the way, the conservative church I grew up in as a kid, tongues were evil. I didn't even know how to categorize this thing because in my head, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But I'm like, but I'm doing it and I'm feeling love. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling just aware of God in a way that I have never known. And so I know that this is good. There's no doubt that this is good, except for like, I'm really having some mental wires crossing, like rewriting the rules here. Mm -hmm. So he pulls me up to the front. He's like, she just got filled with the spirit and everybody's clapping. And I'm like, I mean, I could basically have been in heaven as far as I was concerned. Like, I'm, uh, this is it. You know, I want to live here (laughs) from in this place. Wow. And then after that was when I started praying for people on the street. I was like immediately pushed into ministry team to start praying for healings. And I started seeing them, uh, you know, almost right away. It was just like, wow, I'm living in scripture. Like I'm living in the book of Acts. And actually the funniest thing was I I hadn't read a ton of scripture at that point. And so I was kind of just doing life with God, following his voice and learning his voice and things like that. 
And I would read scripture and I would literally find myself in it. Like, oh, that's why I do that thing now. So one of the things that I find people do a lot is they forget that you actually, when you get spirit filled, that's the word in you. The word itself is actually wanting to manifest itself through you, not in an intellectual way, but in a relational way. The Holy Spirit actually can compel you to look like scripture without even knowing scripture. Isn't that great? Isn't that so cool? Yeah. That was the most mind-blowing thing for me. It was like, oh my gosh, I don't even have to try to be good. Like, I'm actually just looking like Jesus because he's one with me. That was a whole revelation for me. Well, I'm sure for a lot of people, even listening to this, it's kind of a mind blow. (laughs) So, what I'd love to do is now fast forward about four months after you got saved, you started to learn how to do business by studying scripture. Explain some of that, please. I had this sense that God just wanted to do life with me. He didn't want to separate himself or any part of my life from him. I was on the floor of my apartment and I was asking God, what do, what do you want me to do with my life? Uh, you know, now that I found you, how do we spend this time together? What were you doing prior to this? What kind of work were you involved in? I know it's pretty high level. I had been working with a leadership consultant. I was apprenticing her. She was a C-suite executive coach. So one of her clients was Angela Arntz, for example. At the time was with Burberry, but obviously went mm-hmm. on to be the creative director for Apple. So she was working with super high-end people, American Airlines, Ferragamo, FedEx, companies mm-hmm. like that, Fortune 100 type companies. She had a home office here in New York City. And so I would go to her office. It was just me and her, actually. She had other team members, but they were virtual. But I got to spend you know, one-on-one time really apprenticing with her and, and going to some meetings with her and facilitating some work with her and putting a lot of what I did was put together her training materials. I was working off Central Park, Central Park West home office. It was gorgeous. That ended before I got saved the apprenticeship. And so I was then working with one of her colleagues who was a ghostwriter, was doing editing and ghostwriting for mostly just a bunch of rich people's books. Uh, there's no other way to kind of put it. Yeah. Okay. People would pay like $100,000 for this woman to ghostwrite her books. So it was pretty wild. Then you started looking for something that was your own gig, right? Yeah. I, I really felt like working for other people wasn't what God had for me and that he really wanted me to ask him how to spend my life. Mm. And so... Because I knew he wanted to do it with me. And so it was like, I want to go where you're going with my life, not where I think I need to go. Mm-hmm. I remember so vividly, I was on the floor of my little New York City apartment and I'm just weeping like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I want to hear your voice. And that was a season that I was really trying to learn his voice as well. So if you tell me what to do, I'll do it. No questions asked. I just want to hear your voice again. I had this vision of all these little buckets And I knew in each of the buckets was a skill set that I had, but they all looked separated in my, in my mind, they seemed separated. Mm -hmm. And then I saw God connect them with an umbrella almost, or like a handle kind of thing. It was like, there was something about them that were all connected, but I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And each of these buckets were like, you know, you're really good at teaching yourself things. You're really good at designing stuff. You're really good at putting materials together. You're really good at creating PowerPoint. So I'm seeing all these sort of random skill sets of things that I enjoy doing. And I see God connect them under a business. 
what could that possibly be? Because I studied po- political science in school and leadership studies. So I have zero business background, like negative zero. <laughs> and so I don't even know what he's showing me. But I see, I eventually figure out that, oh my gosh, this is like a full stack marketing company. Mm. Like I know how to do all the things necessary for branding and marketing. That's what that umbrella was. Is like, oh, I've been seeing these things as separate, but God has put them under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I was like, okay, I'm supposed to start a business. You know, in my mind, if anything, I would be climbing a corporate ladder or something like that. Like feels like the world that I could do pretty well, but doing it out on my own was like, are you sure? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know about that. And so you started it. Yeah. So I did. I started it. I got some amazing first clients. I definitely started reading scripture. So my business model from day one for the first three years, I didn't know how long it would last, but it ended up lasting about three years. I would spend from 9am to noon in worship and prayer and studying scripture. I just knew there was something about spending that time with the Lord was going to accelerate the work that I would do in the afternoon. It was almost like he was splitting my time between Bible school and running a business, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost what it was like. Because I did want to go to Bible school very badly out in California. And and I asked the Lord if I could go. And he said, you can go, but I'm going to train you on the streets of New York and raise you up a leader for a school that I'm going to bring here. Wow. That blew my mind. I mean, I've just gotten saved. So I'm like, what am I going to lead? You know, and now Mm. my husband is actually the director of the supernatural school here in New York City. (laughs) It's kind of funny how that played out a couple years later, because I didn't end up going to school. And people ask me all the time, did you go to Bible school? I'm like, no, (laughs) I went to school in my apartment by myself or business school, too. That's another question I get. But I did. I did those in my apartment. So I would study scripture. And one of the main books that God led me to very early on was Nehemiah and just learning the life of a builder and learning the life of, you know, even how the enemy wants to steal from and distract builders from doing what they're called to do. One of my favorite lines from Nehemiah is when uh, Sambalot keeps asking him to come down from the work. And Nehemiah goes, I can't come down. I'm doing a good work. Why should the good work stop for me to come down to you? That's forever the stance of a builder. It has to be because the enemy is going to want to distract and pull you from what you're doing. Why should the good work stop? Just because the enemy wants to distract you and pull you from the good thing. Being aware of those threats, you can defend against them, right? Right. I start reading scripture and I'm I'm reading about Jesus and even how Jesus shared the gospel and spread the gospel, right? He's the initial marketer. He knew the best way to market was with testimonies and with stories. And so I just learned how to tell stories through reading scripture and It's funny, God showed me that the first job on the planet was actually to be a brander, because that's what Adam was. His first job was to name the animals. And so I always thought that was kind of a funny joke between me and God. (laughs) I have the original job of branding, right? It all starts with branding. Um, So yeah, I really just, I learned what it meant to do business with honor and to do business with God and hear his voice in my business meetings and in building my contracts and and things like that. Yeah, I had a blast learning how to do business with God for several years. Let me dive into something here about business meetings with God. A lot of people, including myself, 
are always wondering, how am I really hearing the voice of God? Is it my mind? Is it my flesh? Is it the Holy Spirit? How have you found the best way to hear the voice of God in your own life and business? I think it starts before the business meeting. One of the things that I did within the first couple months of getting saved, I would test his voice. And by that, I mean, I would go grocery shopping with God, for example. I'd pick up two types of peanut butter and I'd say, God, which which brand of peanut butter should I get? I would just try to see like, okay, do I feel a sense, a, a, a sort of um, knowing about one of them over the other? Do I have a whisper? Do I have an attraction to one over the other? So it started really simple like that. And I would do it on the streets of New York. If God would give me a prophetic word for somebody, I would just go up and share it with them and see if it was right and test it. And if it wasn't right, you know, I'd say, I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I just wanted to bless you. Hopefully that bless, you know, a mm-hmm. prophetic word is always encouraging, even if it's even if it's not totally right, because at least you're trying to love someone. That's where I started to hear his voice was I would ask God even walking out of the side, you know, out of my apartment, which side of the street do you want me to walk on? As simple as that, because what would happen is I would like run into somebody I would know and I'd be like, wow, that was his voice. Mm. It wouldn't happen all the time, but it would happen enough that it started creating this like pattern of recognizing his voice. Mm-hmm. And so the times where I didn't get it right, it was like, okay, I get the difference here. It was just a matter of testing and trying early on. Now, some people listening to this are probably thinking, oh, come on. Really, Carla? What side of the street? <laughs> what peanut butter to get? It reminds me of my conversation with Brock Shinen. Should I get a taco or a burrito? But Brock made the point that one of those is going to be better for you ultimately health-wise. So what do you say to people that are going, come on, are you kidding me? Test it. Like, what's the harm in in trying it out for yourself? Because, you know, what's on the other side of learning God's voice is wisdom. And that's priceless. There's absolutely nothing worth more than wasting your life seeking God. Um, And that's how you do it. (laughs) You know, there's nothing better. One of my favorite scriptures to this day is, and, and every time I hear this song, I weep is better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Mm, Yes. Yeah. I can't even say it without weeping because it is, that sentence is so real to me because I lived 8,395 days elsewhere and I would trade all of them for just one with him. If I only lived one day in eternity One day on earth, even knowing him, I'd trade all those other days. And so, you know, when people are like, why do you do that? I'm like, because I'm on, I'm on a pursuit of the one who made me just to love me. I will turn the world upside down and backwards to find him. The best part is he's not intentionally hiding himself. There's a beautiful romance between man and God. He wants to be found just as much as we want to be found. And he's not hard to find. (laughs) You just have to seek him because you love him. Mm -hmm. That's really all it is. I feel like he gave me some fun ways to find him, which was, let's go grocery shopping together, Mm -hmm. right? Let's go bless somebody on the street today. I love that. 
And when you start to feel like your whole life is an assignment, your whole life is an opportunity to give him away, you start to care about what side of the street you walk on. That's strong. Yeah, when your whole life is an assignment, when you look at it that way, that is incredible. Yeah. I think we so compartmentalize different aspects of our life that we don't see that our life truly is an assignment. It absolutely is. And it's one of those, like, when you know you have the pearl of great price and everybody gets to have one and you're the one who gets to give them out, wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. That's really what life with God is. It's like, man, I get all of him and I get to give all of him to other people. So great. You started a business and God was teaching you from nine o'clock to noon every day in his, in worship and the word. Yep. And you did that branding business for, are you still in that now? I do. I do still have it. Yep. Okay. And then you started a ministry called She Roars. Yeah. Tell us about that. You know, now I teach and equip women in how to build their business and life with God and their ministries too. I have a lot of women who are who are just the builder. They know that they're called to create something with Him. So teach women how to do their whole life with God and not compartmentalize it, as you said, because I think one of the things people forget is the whole point of our life is to be with God. It's not to build things. The building is secondary to our hearts being known by him. The purpose of our life was to be the object of his affection, full stop. Mm. The stuff we do with how our heart is, the position of our heart, that's the assignment. I'm not saying it matters less, but it's just not the first thing. It has to be an order. There's an order to God, which is knowing your purpose which is to be loved by him is what will produce fruit in all the other things to follow. Mm -hmm. I sort of differentiate between the difference between purpose, calling and assignment, because those three things are really important, but they have to be in order. Explain that please. So purpose I define as you were designed and created. The initial idea that God had about you was he wanted something to love. And so when he created you, that was his intention was to create something to love. From that place, we can step into our calling, which is, I sort of jokingly call it all the Christian stuff, (laughs) all the stuff that's like raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, love your neighbor, preach the gospel, all the things that are sort of asked of us as believers. Mm -hmm. There's no sort of special timing or place or location for those things, right? Those are always true. You're always ready to preach the gospel. You are always ready to pray and heal heal the sick, right? Mm -hmm. That's just like a, a constant in your life. And then you have what I call assignments, where those are sort of the in time type of rhema voice of God things where he's sending you to accomplish something from knowing your purpose, right? Because I know I'm loved, I want to go and walk on this side of the street because God has a homeless person he wants me to sit with for an hour and minister to. Mm-hmm. The assignments are really the place where our the desires of our heart, our skill sets, our location, where all of those things kind of collide, which is typically where a business lands. A business lands in the right timing as well, because I can have a business today that based on the economy, based on circumstance, it could be over tomorrow. So I don't put my purpose in my business because 
my business is not my purpose. I wasn't created and initially designed to start a business. That's an outflow of my purpose, but that could die tomorrow and I'm still going to be okay because my purpose is fully set over here in this foundation. You know, having sort of assignments are kind of with an open hand, if you will. God can say tomorrow, hey, we're done with this thing. Let's move to something else. But if you've put your identity and your whole life into a business, that's not going to be an easy yes to the Lord. Mm -hmm. If he's saying that, let's say your bank account goes low and your identity is in how well your business is doing, then you go down with it, right? Yeah. So it's so important that we keep those things in order because if your purpose is the place where that's steadfast, you know, it's almost like your feet are buried in cement in your purpose. And then your assignment is the thing that flows through your hands. And you can have a bunch of assignments at once. A mom who runs a business, man, she's got the assignment of being a mom and running a business. Those are the the seasonal type of things that God can give us, you know. Now, as you coach these other women in She Roars, what have you found to be the most common theme running through your coaching, the biggest challenge or challenges that you tend to interface with? It's interesting coaching women as opposed to men, because I I do pay attention to those differences. But I would say, particularly with women, one of the biggest hurdles is perfectionism. There really is a high, high standard that women hold themselves to in a way that I, it's just different from men for some reason. They tend to have to know everything that they're doing perfectly. They have, you know, the bar is just really high for them to get started Mm. and to launch something Mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of doing it messy, if you will, just to get started and kind of figure it out from there. So that tends to be a really big hurdle to have to almost force people and my clients to push through is like, this is an illusion. This perfection thing is an illusion. And it comes from a soul wound that doesn't believe you're acceptable or approved of, and it's manifesting in your business. So a lot of the sort of negative self-talk is also part of that whole thing, lack of confidence and perfectionism, which I think are almost two sides of the same coin. Yeah. What have you found to be the best way to overcome that? Yeah, that's a great question. I do what I call freedom sessions. I actually will walk people through where they learned to be perfectionists and where they were taught that being a perfectionist is required for them to do anything. Mm. Typically, that's really the only way I see people get free from it is actually hearing God's voice and, and having him heal that lie and that place of you know not believing they're good enough without being perfect. Powerful stuff. What a blessing that you're helping other people overcome these lies. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? You can head to my website, carlapratico.com is a great place. I actually have a free download on there called The Daily Bliss. Remember how I told you that every morning from nine to noon, I would spend time with God? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that he gave me was this Daily Bliss that now I give to people for free. And it's just the series of questions that God would have me every single day go through and just ask him. So it's really powerful. You know, one of them is, God, what is, what should I be looking out for today? Mm. What should I be aware of? So just letting him sort of paint the picture of your day. It's really an amazing morning routine, really. I totally recommend heading over there and grabbing that for free. 
I'm also on Instagram at Carla Pratico, and I'm also on Facebook. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'd love to finish up here, Carla, by having you pray for our listeners, please. For sure, yeah. Well, Father, I just thank you for these amazing, hungry listeners, God, who want to do life with you and who desire to seek you, God, that you are so easily found for those who are hungry. God, that you are so quick to feed the hungry. So God, I just ask for a deeper revelation of your love for each one of them, that they would experience your radical, tangible, physical presence in their room, even now that they would feel the delight of your heart over them, that everything they do, everything they build with you would be from a place of knowing their purpose, knowing that they were created to be loved by you. So, Lord, I just thank you for what you have planned for them to build, but that the foundation would be firm, that the materials would be good. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who opens doors that no one can shut and closes all the wrong ones. So I just ask that you would go before them and open those doors and close the wrong ones so that they would walk directly in alignment with you, that their whole life would be lived in full alignment with you, that they would get to give you away everywhere they go, even through their business, that they would be blessed uh, financially so that they could bless others. But God, even their business would be a place of communion with you. I just thank you for, for what you're doing in and through each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Carla, thank you so much for being on the program. What a blessing. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.